there will be a space created in which authenticity is optimal, in which authenticity is desired. And I bring that as the second point, Janet, because of that sense of belongingness and how important it is to having the willingness to speak up. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's Accelerate Your Performance podcast. I'm your host, Janet Pilcher. Thanks for having a desire to be your best at work and help your organization achieve success. This podcast is all about actions we can take to improve workplace culture and achieve results. And they're all aligned to our nine principles for organizational excellence. Today, I'd like to welcome one of our leader coaches, Dr. Gail Juno Butler to our podcast. Gail grew up in Cajun country, Louisiana, and interestingly, her first language was Cajun French. She attended elementary school at the time in which the CODIFL, Council for the Development of French in Louisiana, was still actively in place in Louisiana education. This was meant to preserve a space for Cajun French to continue to exist as a language and cultural tradition so to speak, for residents of Southern Louisiana. Gail lived in Pensacola, Florida for 10 years and worked in various leadership positions for student services at the University of West Florida. During this time, she earned her doctoral degree in curriculum and instruction with a focus on diversity studies. At that time, she taught the Introduction to Education and Introduction to Diverse Populations courses for pre-service teachers. Following the completion of her doctoral coursework, Gail accepted a position at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. For almost 12 years, she worked in a student academic services as executive director of academic advising and assistant vice provost for retention, progression, and completion. During her time at UNLV, she also served as an instructor of women's studies for the College of Liberal Arts. On the professional front, Gail has remained involved in issues of diversity and inclusion as it relates to hiring and leadership of academic services for college studies across her 20-plus year career in that field. While representing student education, she has been working with partners on establishing foundations for exploring readiness for DEI work by organizations, as well as in ways that set the stage for conversations to begin to happen around difficult, sensitive topics. One of Gail's main life philosophies is love makes a community. In the last year, she has been reunited with her birth family and has gone from being an only child from Cajun country to a woman with 10 siblings, multiracial identity, and a new member of many families who represent the blending of diversity in this life. I'm excited to welcome Gail to our show to discuss what appears to be a difficult topic for many of us to talk about, diversity and inclusive conversations. Gail, thank you for being here today. I'm looking forward to our time together. I appreciate the opportunity, Janet, and I think this is a a conversation that's important, and I'm certainly looking forward to having it with you. Absolutely. It's you and I've had many to the side conversations over the years. And, you know, very specifically when we reconnected about it last, I think last spring, we realized how important and significant it was. And I knew that your talents could add a lot to our team. So I'm glad we're here today to talk about what that means. So let's, let's start with the first question. And we're finding that people we work with are trying to find ways to connect with others on their teams to talk about difficult topics about diversity. What do you find as some of the 
biggest barriers to leaders being able to address conflicting issues and viewpoints, Gail's, when they're having the conversations? When I think about that question, Janet, immediately I think about the notion of going out on a limb. But this topic of diversity is not only going out on a limb, it's going out on a limb in which you're not sure your weight will be held. You're not sure if anyone else will be there. And the sense is that you may find yourself alone. And not only might you find yourself alone, there's a lot of fear and risk associated with diving into this topic. And the reason why I say that is because at this moment in time, diversity feels like to a large degree, it's an either or topic. You're either for talking about diversity or you're not for talking about diversity because it's not seen as fundamental in our day-to-day life, but regardless of our race or our class or our gender, that there's some place in which you can find a space for understanding or a shared lived experience in which you can relate to this topic as fundamental and as part of your life. So it's risky business from that perspective. Yeah, it is. And I, I love the way you just presented that, Gail. You know, it is. It, it As you were talking about it, it's almost you're presenting it as people think of the, a dichotomy. I mean, you either can talk about it or you either don't want to talk about it or you don't want to engage. And, and there's such a con- continuum of, of the way that we think about diversity. I mean, it's so much, it's so not a dichotomy. Right. It's so not a dichotomy. And so our idea of having to think about engaging in conversations in that way, I have never thought of it in the way that you said it, but that really does make it problematic for people and a higher risk because even those people that may want to take a chance and have a discussion just may be so fearful of doing it because they're not sure how to enter that conversation or what people will think of them if they do. I think really important with the way that you presented that information. So let's talk a little bit more specifically. In our work, although we haven't necessarily addressed, you know, talk about diversity head on in some of our past work, we have always talked about key messages and key words at key times. And when we have these conversations, we really have to know how to use key messaging and key words at key times. So how important is using this when you're leading inclusive conversations? You know, how important are key words in those conversations? Yeah, I appreciate thinking about it through that perspective, Janet, because providing structure from my perspective, is critical to setting the space for being able to start the conversation in the first place. Structure gives comfort. Structure gives some sense of how the work or the conversation is going to be organized. So from that perspective and where I started in mentioning that I see leaders as fearful and anxious of addressing conversations about diversity, In starting by owning that perspective as a person, a person who has individual lived experiences, but also a particular position in an organization is a good place to start. It's addressing both the personal and the professional and stating from the outset that this is an important conversation in which the hope is that we will see that our within-group differences are just as significant as between-group differences so that we'll all find a place to be authentic 
and have the desire to negotiate to a better understanding may happen. So I would say that that's an important keyword from the outset. This is personal. It's also related to professional. It's important. There will be a space created in which authenticity is optimal, in which authenticity is desired. And I bring that as the second point, Janet, because of that sense of belongingness and how important it is to having the willingness to speak up and having the willingness to trust that the other for you saying what it is that you feel and you think will be called in rather than called out. That's an important part of this conversation from my perspective as well. And I would say that the third part, and it's not exactly a key word at a key time, but it's related and it's about communication and the strategy of communication, diversity, inclusive conversations, they're critical at this moment in time for us to reach out and understand each other better. And without any type of communication, that is a very strong message of exactly what communication is not, even when it's not stated. So those would be my perspectives on keywords to start up inclusive conversations in a way that make people more willing to say what they think and feel in comfortable, important ways that can be moved forward to a higher level. Yeah, really great recommendation scale and very thoughtful, very thoughtful words made me think through a few minutes about the podcast that I did about the January 6th event. And then after that, you know, actually having, you know, that conversation with our team, appreciate your feedback, you know, to me on that conversation. And I've not been one that shied away from conversations in the past. And in this way, I've taught, you know, topics, but I have to admit, I needed that structure like you're talking about for that conversation, because I was, I was nervous with, with that conversation, you know, and because I'm, I don't want to, I want people to be able to talk freely and to express themselves. And then I also know how do you temper that within a group of different understandings and opinions and how do you not silence anyone's voice, but also how do you build respect within that setting? And it was the balance between those, those things that I was just totally focused on, you know, not, not always sure how to do that, but really wanted to have the courage to try to do it. You know, I just appreciate what you were saying there with your authenticity, the structure, you know, the genuineness, the courage that it takes. And, and I think, Gail, I don't know if you agree with this, but, you know, I think they have to be practiced, you know, I mean, if we're going to engage in this practice to a certain extent before you get to that point where you're having discussions that allow people to express thought, I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I certainly was thinking along those lines as you were talking, Janet, and having experienced that conversation with you. I appreciated the way you opened with the personal and then integrated with professional and our roles and our work together as a team. And my sense is that you move through that conversation with structure that involved very specific prompts to cascade from one point to a deeper point and then to the deepest point in which we felt safe. But we also felt as though our time was spent on a real conversation that permitted us to speak 
to consider a different perspective and then to leave that conversation having felt heard, but also hopefully taking something new and different away from our team members who also modeled speaking appropriately, being thoughtful, and moving through the cascade very intentionally and thoughtfully. Yeah, it was, I was proud of our team, you know, for that discussion. I really was proud of them and appreciate you being part of that. Um, So let's, Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit. Let's go one level deeper with some specifics. As we've talked about over the last year, you've created approach to having inclusive conversations, you know, at a high level. Can you kind of walk us through that approach so that our listeners can take something away on something that they can apply potentially tomorrow? Sure. Um, And working with a a couple of organizations who are considering two points of view. One is there are all of these things that are going on in the world at large. And at some level, those things are influencing my organization. So number one, what do I do as a leader? And number two, what is my readiness level personally and as an organization? to make action. So as a conversation starter, simply as a conversation starter or a coaching tool around having inclusive conversations, I put together a three-step model for determining readiness. And I think about it, as you mentioned at the start, I'm now a member of a family with many people and many different perspectives. So that first holiday or that first year of holiday functions is real to me. And they're at that point of getting together for the first holiday conversation or for a holiday conversation, there's the elephant on the dining room table. So I think about a colleague who mentioned in a recent conversation, the one that we had with you, Janet, of it's nearly impossible to meet as a family anymore because there are these elephants on the dining room table. That cascades to our work. And that's what stage one of the model I created pays attention to. It's approaching the difficult conversations. And I'll just cover a, a couple of important parts in in that first stage, it's it's analyzing who's going to be present, who's absent for the conversation. How can I use that knowing to create an environment in which it's a more thoughtful, balanced conversation? And in the terms of an environment of work, it's then thinking about if I want to have this conversation, what are the basic norms? What are the non-negotiables? to enter into this conversation. So that sense of belongingness that extends to include physical safety and psychological safety is in place at the start for people to determine, do I want to be part of this? Do I not feel as though I want to be part of this? That's what I see as stage one or addressing the elephant on the dining room table is determining who's at the table, what are they about, and what do I need to do to ensure we can actually sit here and have a conversation? Stage two, so if you think about the the feast again, stage two is what I call making space for the conversation actually happen. So the dinner's cooked, you're at the table, you're sitting in close proximity with each other. Um, I think that's a good point if you relate to an organization to 
affirm individuals for their courage to show up to have a difficult conversation. It's the time in which you also reaffirm those basic non-negotiable norms for appropriate social engagement, right? right. And to not make that such a top-down experience, it's also the moment in which you might ask the team to spend some time together and create any additional norms for a particular type of conversation that are more basic or move away from more basic and into more specific. As you did in our conversation earlier about January, Janet, this is also when you began to peel the onion and have thoughtful practice prompts that start light, start personal, move into deeper, very intentionally so, while creating the sense that this is a space that people can trust, that they can engage in, in which they're safe psychologically and physically. Those types of things need to happen in stage two as well. Throughout your modeling, leaders going first, is conversation appropriate? Are the types of conversation statements being owned by individuals? Acknowledge moments of intensity? Celebrate moments in which breakthrough possibilities or breakthrough moments happen? So in stage two, the leader is really guiding the conversation, but also affirming that it's difficult and that wins are happening along the way as well. And I'll briefly touch on stage three, which I call the doing the dishes stage, Janet. And um, this is the, this is the fact that you got together, you had, and you made it through for better or for worse. There were some good moments and there were some difficult moments. But if this is important to you, and we're already establishing via a keyword at key time at the start that this is important, then one way of showing commitment to what is important is follow through. So I call this doing the dishes and reaffirming that the conversation was difficult, that courageous people showed up, that real and sincere language happened, and that action will only happen if the foot is kept on the gas pedal, so to speak, which we like to say in our work. So this is the time in which planning for follow-through needs to happen. Timeliness needs to be a critical value. And if there were any individual moments that were especially emotional, especially difficult, or especially frustrating for individuals, that you as leader or leaders who have been appointed to this project engage in some type of personal rounding outside of that conversation in order for the next time to be an experience in which we are moving forward and not creating an environment in which we're stuck at a particular place because progress is an important barometer to this is important and we are attempting to reach resolution that's positive and inclusive by way of our conversation. Gail, I am just so proud of what you've done 
with this work. You know, when you and I were having the initial discussion, it wasn't quite a year ago, but it's been quite some time. And we were just talking about how do we take the work that we normally do? Because we're really about engaging people in conversations to help move progress, to build progress forward. But how do we wrap, put the wrapper of this concept of diversity, equity, and inclusion around that, but without, you know, offering kind of, remember we said, just not like that traditional mm -hmm. DEI training, but how do we, how do we build on what we do that can help leaders and help people? And, um, you know, I kind of put that in front of you and you took charge of that. And, you know, I just have per have done such a great job with building that out with your expertise. I think this is going to be invaluable for leaders and teams and in exactly what we need to do to build those inclusive conversations with each other, as you said just a few minutes ago, so that we can take a small step at a time to make progress that will one time be a big leap ahead. I thank you so much. And I know we're going to continue to do the work around uh, the inclusive conversations and build resources resources for our listeners. But I hope today that they got something out of it that you all figure out as you go through, you know, what's the one, as we always talk about, what are the one or two things that you could take away and think about or do tomorrow, depending on where you are. It takes courage and a lot of thought and a lot of practice to do this in a way that's meaningful to people. You represent that on our team, Gail, and so appreciative of our time today. I really appreciate the opportunity to have the the chance to work on this important topic and look forward to continuing working for our partners and working with you again. I definitely appreciate this moment and opportunity. Sounds great. So we will continue this type of conversation at upcoming virtual events uh, like our roundtables and destination high performance. So if you want to know more about that, visit studereducation.com slash events. So as always, thank you all for tuning in to Accelerate Your Performance. Please share the podcast and rate us on iTunes if you'd like. But if you're looking for more resources related to today's episode, head over to studereducation.com slash podcast. I look forward to the time that we'll continue to spend together and connecting with each other and Gail, just our connection today. So appreciative of the work that we do together. And because we all do that, because we all want to be our best at work and really good to each other. Have a great week, everyone.